Welcome to Stabbing Hams and Biscuit Spreaders. I'm Brett. I'm Becky. And this is a podcast about anything you consume and everything in between. Well well said. Oh, thanks. Well said. (laughs) Welcome to our first episode. Yeah, It's actually not our first episode. No, no. We've actually recorded a few that were not very good. Or we were too drunk and, like, the next day it was like, nobody wants to listen to this. We live in New Orleans. We live in New Orleans. Sometimes drunk happens. Yeah, and we're in the service industry, so sometimes drunk happens. Some people get drunk and they go out and they do stupid stuff you know they're like oh let's go crazy we get drunk and we come home and go let's record a podcast yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know i guess since moving to new orleans i took a couple months turning into a 21 year old party girl that's mm-hmm. fine but you know whatever that's neither here nor there i'm an old pro both of us are in the service industry been chefs for a long time we have yeah i am in front of the house now we'll be touching on that uh in future podcasts just anything about service industry issues in politics that have to do with food or beverage Mm -hmm. food industry Um, food industry farming booze industry yeah beer industry that's right um and then we can celebrate successes also Yes. Talk about cool places, cool people that are doing cool things in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess most importantly, our whole like reasoning for this is to touch on sustainability, locality, and seasonality in uh, what we do in our and consume in our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. If we yeah. can yeah. educate you, the people, the public, the people, yes. educate um, about these topics and what's We'd going on in the world. We could bring something and, forth, yeah. Or uh, even discuss. And, you know, our current view of things. And maybe you'll disagree. And maybe you will agree. And maybe you'll agree. Maybe we'll, you'll learn something. Maybe you can teach us something. Yes. And we encourage you to email yeah. us at stabbinghams at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or also on Instagram, but it's kind of weird Instagram to, like, a back and forth. Yeah. We're on Twitter, too, but Twitter not as much. I'm just kind of bored with Twitter. I don't even know how to work Twitter. She so. doesn't know how to work Twitter. He's the indoor kid. I'm the outdoor kid. Yeah. I play in the dirt. He does the technology mm-hmm. stuff. I play with the Xbox controller. That's true. Mm-hmm. We would like to start out with like a story of the week of what's happening, either in the industry or what's happening you know, politically sure. with food. And this is, I guess, politics-driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This week, our current week, news week story is uh, just us. Because it's our first one. No. No? I want to talk about the... Um, no, I mean, like, if we do, bugs. like, a, like we'll intro and then do, like, a, this thing, and then we'll go into, like, a, a good news yeah, story. It's all, a, it's all, you know, it's fluid motion, man. We'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see where it takes us. Right. But we would like to go into a story of the week that we have been talking about. For the past week, um, I don't know if you want to talk about. Yeah, so there is a. Um, well, where we got this info from the New Food Economy, or where we read an article, and then we, you know, look further into it and talk, you know, talk to people yes. and you know whatever. We've discovered some cool stuff. Brownsville, Texas. Um, it is a large shrimping community. It's like right across the border from Mexico. Right, and so this story is like maybe. 
a month old, but not no, that old. I don't think so. I think I, I think we read it like last week. Mm-hmm. But it's it's still within a days ago. It's still within the confines of the shrimp uh, season down there. What they've discovered is the high part of the shrimp um, season, where a boat should be going out in droves to uh, catch shrimp, bring them on. They go out for a month to 40 days. They drag in nets and peel shrimp, store shrimp, devein shrimp, dehead shrimp, um, long hours, a lot of time spent with shrimp. I said shrimp five times well, that's, in the last That's what this is about. Sentence. I mean, and... Um, so the problem is that currently there are a ton of shrimp boats that have no employees and that can't leave the dock because there aren't enough employees to fill. To man the, sh- the boats. Yes, to man the boats. I mean, the, the, the positive of this whole shrimp season is the, um, the crazy amount of spring rain we had and rains mm-hmm. and into the season. A little unseasonably warm. Yeah, had, so they predicted like above average shrimp harvests for the Gulf of Mexico. So, mm-hmm. which is great news because that's us utilizing our local waters and um, our, you know, fellow American people who have these businesses that they do to put this delicious shrimp on our plates. So when we're looking at your shrimp, where did your shrimp come from? So why are the shrimp boats unmanned? Well, every year the shrimp boat industry down there has a return of workers who are... uh, whatever you want to refer them as, they're undocumented workers. They come from various countries, mostly Illegals. South American. Sorry. Yeah, illegals, as everybody likes to call them. I don't yeah, know how you can call it. any person illegal. I don't yeah. know how you could be considered illegal as a human being. But yeah. um, So these are undocumented workers. They are granted temporary visas every year under a bill, a bill called H-2B. It's a visa program. And it's a visa program that gets renewed every year. It has to go through Congress, get signed in. And what it does is it has an allotment of like 66,000 temporary visas. For non-agricultural workers. So it's like hotel industry, landscaping, seafood processing. Right. So nothing having to do with growing food as much as maintaining some of those industries. A service industry. So Yeah. Um, and... They grant 66,000 visas. Those are continuous. And then on top of those 66,000, it allows for industry to hire more outside workers as needed. Um, so now that bill, because we, of course, we have a... We can thank our president because this yeah. is... Yeah, it, it and inspired And we, we can also thank our, terri- oh, our, our terrible Congress, Congress yeah. who um, Republican Congress, who hasn't signed this bill um, for the first time in a long time, and this bill didn't get signed. That this could be, and we're warned that if you don't sign this bill, devastating. It could be devastating economy. to the shrimping economy, or yeah. it could be devastating in many ways, and and it has domino effects. And the way this bill usually works is so um, you have the shrimp boat season that starts started last month in Texas, and you have. But maybe weeks, months before that, uh, the a hotel, season. the landscaping yeah. season started, right? Like right after spring, 
spring starts, you're hiring landscapers. Uh, the hotel industry, because those things too start lazy up. To mow yeah, your own too damn lazy lawn. To mow your own lawn. Sorry. Uh, so they <laughs> not sorry. So they hire. They those industries get first dibs on all those workers that come back, and the shrimp boats whose season starts later in the season. Uh, they get, get the screwed. Short end of the sick. Yeah, so, for sure. but now they're really screwed because those—they don't even get a portion of that sixty-six thousand. All of those workers have been eaten up by other industries. So you have boats sitting on docks, completely crickets. empty, crickets, and and you a, have the what, owners of those boats saying stressing the f out, losing a lot of money in the in a business an industry worth billions, losing a lot of money. And unable to go out and work because they don't have the employees to do it. Now, here's the irony of this situation. Well, let's let's just talk about the grueling uh, practice of this job first, real quick. Sure. Let's just touch on this. The... Before we go into the next yeah, one. Yeah, that's fine. Well, you know, because it actually, it's, it's segues right sure. into it. Um, so this is, these people go out on the water 30, 40 days, right? Like, without seeing land, just stuck in the middle of the ocean. Pulling in nets, deveining, deheading, packing shrimp in many different forms of how they're going to be sold, and it's messy. It's like hot. It's you know you they they do this thing called clocking where they work twenty four hour shifts and they just take naps, mm -hmm. and this goes on for like a month, you know. Yeah. And they'll do this for like three months of the season or however long the season is. Yeah. The boats but, usually go out for 30 to 40 days. Yeah. They'll, They'll do come back, really drop off, go back out, you know. Grueling, intense shifts, and and then they'll come, come back, back do, they'll yeah. drop their catch, and then they'll go back out again. And a lot of these captains of these boats have the same workers every year that come back. So it's like, this is, you know, they don't really have anything to worry about when they had these visas available mm -hmm. because they can't, okay, well... Then we can go into the fact that this count, the county of Brownsville is... county that Brownsville resides in. It's super... Their unemployment level is at 7%. Their poverty their level poverty is at 30% like or 30. something. Yeah. And... So they got people hard up in need for jobs. But do not... Just don't want to do... But won't do this, this job. Work. Because this is... Right. Which is something that you and I... Which, I mean, it's the dumbest thing. And it's an argument that I've had, and it's an argument that you've had yeah. in the past. A lot of people look down on the in, on the restaurant industry because there are a lot of undocumented workers in the restaurant industry. Some I've the, never, I've never some of the best shied workers away. I've ever had. I've never I've been with. afraid to admit it. I'll admit it outright. I've had plenty of undocumented workers. Oh yeah. Some of the best people in the world that I know are undocumented workers. And some of the best cooks I've friends. had, yeah. I've trained sous chefs from that started as dishwashers that be, were undocumented workers. Americans don't want to do this type of work. And when they do do this type they of work... They don't have that work ethic anymore. When they do do this type of work, they feel owed. They are do something else aside from their normal paycheck. They bitch the most. They complain the most. Which, uh, same thing. Way uh, it, it the the cost of, of they feel like they're too good to, for doing this job. They all feel like they're too good. No, nah, I'm not gonna say they all do, but they feel that they're too there good. There are people that we've worked we, well yeah. from experience. From experience, and and 
in the 20 years doing this and the 20 years having to hire people for jobs that are not fun, that, that are not um, glamorous yeah, in and, the least. And when you are in that uh, industry, we're all in the same, I guess, so to speak, boat. Ha, yes. Ha, ha, um, together, you know. So, like, to me, managing a restaurant is I'm in the same team as someone washing the dishes or a porter or people doing this, like, shit work that nobody else wants to do. I mean, I'll do it. If someone doesn't show up, I'm washing dishes, you know, like, and I'm not going to complain about it. Right. Like, because that's the kind of person I am, and that's why I I would choose to have... Right, well, it's that attitude that has yes. made us successful in the industry that we're in. So it's, and it's that attitude that a lot of, of our employees who are undocumented have had. It's you. They just do what needs to get done. What's asked of them, because it, it's the job. Right. And, and I mean, not all, not everybody is that no, way. But you know, all. it's like not yeah, at all. Yeah, I mean, there's, there, believe there me, there's, there's plenty of undocumented and whatever. But yeah. um, but there's plenty of undocumented yes. workers that I've fired because they sucked. Yeah. But and and adopted that American mentality is I'm better than right. I'm doing better than this. what I'm doing. Yeah. Which is. A ridiculous attitude to have when when that's your job. Yeah. It's, uh, then you shouldn't be doing that job. And people have to count on you for doing that job. And like that's the whole thing is people have to like. I mean, let's go back to these shrimp boats shrimp here. Boats. You know what's really ridiculous is like those the people who get on those boats and do that for a month to forty days. They make a lot of money in that 30, 40 day oh, yeah. period. They make like a in like the a... tens of thousands of dollars for their time. Maybe in a whole season they make like twenty, thirty grand. You if know? they go back on the boat and go again, you're you're making you could make your year's salary in They're just a few months. They're going back to Mexico and like survive. Their families like surviving off this money that they worked a a shitty four months yeah. for. And meanwhile, so, you're in Brownsville, Texas, unemployed, and think you're too good. Well, or just we can't too, say that because we don't know anybody from there. That's but. true, but you have a seven percent unemployment rate. And it's just, it's easier to sit and watch daytime TV and occasionally checks Craigslist. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, what do you, it's it's ridiculous to me that you have that, it's ironic and it's stupid and. Well, that's the American way. It's the American way. Um, and that's the whole thing. It's like, everybody is so against, you know, wants to build this wall, wants to have protection from human beings. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, who don't really do much wrong coming into this country. I mean, I know this because this is not just me reading media. This is me living my everyday life amongst people who are undocumented American citizens. Some of them, you know, born and raised here from undocumented people. Parents. Um, the biggest issue I feel with all of this is, first of all, people think these undocumented people are like the enemy when the congress who is actually the enemy the people who like put a stop to this because now all this shrimp that is plentiful in the gulf of mexico in american waters are going to sit there and hang out and die away and we are going to get our shrimp from other countries china and south america yeah because we're just not going to have the manpower to like i mean it's it's our forefathers and hundreds of years ago people are going to they're probably rolling over in their graves you know as my grandma <laughs> would maybe. say 
Well, I know. Maybe. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, if you if you think of, like, the... It's, it's just, it's ridiculous that you now, because these boats, our local industry can't go out and shrimp because they can't get enough employees with a high unemployment rate in a small county that could use the job that just doesn't want to do the job. Now we're, we're importing food from, from China and from foreign countries that does not support your local people well, at you, all like, it doesn't support your do local you industry care at if all your if your uh shrimp that you're eating like do you think about the shrimp that you're eating and where it's coming from because yeah. we do yeah well, <laughs> we think about she doesn't eat shrimp because she's allergic yeah but but it's I've, it's it's a great segue into the importance of caring about where your food comes from right and well this does segue into how it pertains to us in our everyday life uh seasonality and locality sustainability um as just like a lifestyle and it's kind of it's not a learned lifestyle this is not a trend this is something that has happened this is something like let's say 150 years ago are you eating watermelon living in detroit in january no you're not you have to grow that watermelon in the time frame, in the season. Um, and, you know, we talk about this all the time with people because we have lots of conversations. We're pretty passionate about what we do and what we work with. So this is, now we're in the South, but before this we were in New York. Before that we were in Minnesota and we met in California. Yeah. We've been through four parts of this country, all very different climates, all very different localities and areas with very different growing seasons and very different farmers. And those seasons are so different. And in LA, like everything is good almost all the time. There's because the climate there is very Mediterranean and very but the seasonality grows. is longer. I mean, most yeah. of the United States produce comes from California. Right. And you can get things almost all the time from a farm. Yeah. And it may not always be great, um, but you can get it. And now take a sharp uh, turn, go to New York City. Or Minnesota. Or Minnesota. Shorter season even, yeah. And you are dying for a tomato in February. So, yeah. The- so, so, like, by February, it's still, like, I've literally od'd on tomatoes because from july when i was able to grow my first one and go to farmers markets and and farm stands and whatever i'm eating tomatoes i'm not kidding you every single day like i will od on tomatoes i will like when peppers are at their fullest peppers my favorite food in the world you know especially in october in new york city i'm like i am eating jalapenos like you would not believe i have fresh peppers all the time i'm just like slicing them up and just popping them in my mouth like candy but in let's say april i really miss peppers i miss tomatoes i can't wait my little plants i just are like my seeds that i just put into you know that that i've been growing i'm just watching the greenery yeah one of our pet peeves down here has been brussels sprouts brussels sprouts on every menu all the time there's a lot. And there's a there's a lot down here that and and I'm not saying, I mean it's a very different world than where we are coming from in New York City. 
you know, food-wise. Like, the food is spectacular down here. No different than there. But I, I still don't understand. I don't understand how it all works yet. I've only been here for, like, eight months. So it's it's hard for me to, like, see where the, tra- you know, where the... Right, and it, the patterns of what's funny is like when I first got here, we had Brussels sprouts, and they were pretty cool, and they were coming from a farm. Mm-hmm. And um, a few months later, it was like, oh, these Brussels sprouts are starting to suck. Right. And 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 it went from oh, we'll get them, we won't get them from the farm anymore. We'll just get them from whatever purveyor, the local purveyor. Drafted. Yeah. But this is not just where we were. So now you have. This is every place you go to. So we can still get Brussels sprouts. Well, I it it really makes Brussels sprouts. It's not special anymore. It's like with anything, like because I tomatoes with whatever, like you were just saying. I couldn't wait up north to have Brussels sprouts come like September when we got our first ones and they were tiny. They were this big. Yeah, and not, not only is it that way of thinking is is makes what you're eating more sustainable because you're buying them at the height of the season. You're Most likely you're best. getting them from somewhere local. Yeah. And it's not driving across the country or flying across the world to get to your plate. And buying things in season is a domino effect of and buying them local keeps everything it keeps it fresh, it keeps it healthy, it keeps you excited about what's coming next. Um, and creative too. And it also educates you on what is growing. Like if, if you spend time not at the grocery store, but you know, at a farmer's market, especially in your growing season, you see what's available. You see what you can get. Yeah. You see, you know, you, I mean, you'd know what you could grow yourself if you, you know, like go to, you know, if you had a, a CSA, uh, you could, no, you know, you get a bag every week of fresh vegetables, blah, 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 blah. And then, yeah. you know, it changes when the season changes. I, I, went to, I had a chef say to me, I'd rather get, I'd rather get commodity tomatoes from Mexico than get crappy ones from X farm that I won't mention. But, and my response to him was, I'd rather just not get tomatoes. That's exactly how it is. I mean, and it's sad how this is a learned way of viewing when for yeah because for the entire existence of human beings it's until like, and to him, technology yeah, to him and to most people the notion of not having a tomato or not having whatever it is we'll is, say so, is foreign is completely foreign well it's, like, i asked why we have brussels so sprouts used. in july or why people have had them on their menu and they're like oh if we take them off people will be pissed then let them it's be like pissed. well then let them want just be like <laughs> oh you don't have the brussels sprouts like because this would happen and you like oh can you add tomatoes in my omelet it's like no because it's march we don't have tomatoes what you don't have tomatoes why or like why don't you have this oh you don't have apples in june no we don't have apples i mean we could have apples, but we locally do not have apples. This is how we buy our produce. You know, why do you not have duck in June? That's different. That's I'm not even going to go to that topic of, <laughs> of, of poultry and livestock and whatever. That'll be a different episode because we already have a story for that. Boom. But um, that being said, like, why can't we live like we once did? 
you know, where we could just eat with the seasons. And, you know, you can prolong your tomato experience by canning your own tomato sauce and blah, 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 blah. Again, another episode because we could, I could rant on this all day long. Mm-hmm. I guess we should maybe just end things with our Sorry. restaurant etiquette 101. Sure. This segment is going to be called The Last Hole. And uh, we start this, this is going to be like strictly restaurant related stuff, whether it's us like talking shit. It's, it's on our the staff. restaurant et- etiquette. It's our restaurant etiquette sec- segment. Yes. To and cover and, and to cover everybody, you as a customer or the employees, whoever yeah. is at all times. Mostly you as a customer yeah. because a lot of you are really horrible customers when you go out to eat. <laughs> And I'm sorry, but I'm going to say a lot of you. Um, yes. But uh, so this segment will so we call always it be called the last the hole. The last hole. So we'll just explain what the last hole is right now. And think of the person that rolls in, two minutes to close, nobody's in the restaurant, and they want to come in and order and stay for an hour, keeping the entire staff there. Or the person who's been sitting there for three hours and continues to sit there long after we're closed and the last person is done and when you say oh i'm sorry we you must want us to leave and we're like no no take your time we're all trained to say that because we need to be polite because you're you're our customer we customer service is an important thing but we want you to get the hell out but really if you're the only person sitting in the restaurant don't be the only fucking person sitting in the restaurant if you walk in two minutes to close and you're like oh yeah I'm going to order three courses. You're an asshole. You're the last hole. Last asshole. Last And asshole. we will remember you every time you come yeah. in. So not being, not, so, I mean, you come in, you take take out, and you go. Like, we get that. You would so take your drink to go. We've talked about this a little bit before. Uh, in your opinion, what is a, like, what's a good cutoff for somebody to come in? Like, at the end of the night. and To me, a half hour. I mean, half hour to close. I've only known, like, walking around New York City, you walk up to a restaurant, and you're like, oh, they close at 10, it's 9.40. Oh, not going in. I mean, and I guess being a restaurant owner, looking at it in those terms, like, to have some money is, like, you know, that kind of defeats the purpose because we're service industry oriented. But if you are there keeping the server, the bartender, the dishwasher, the line cooks, the chef, you know, or not the chef because salary. You're keeping all these people on waiting for you to leave. Like, it doesn't, it's not sustainable. <laughs> just it, just for you to sit there because you are an asshole and can't get to a restaurant in a reasonable hour. Like, if the restaurant's packed, 20 minutes to close, then no problem. That place is, that, nobody's going anywhere. Right. But if you are the last person in a place, you've been sitting a couple of hours, you literally have no water left in your glass because you're done and you paid out an hour and a half ago and you're sitting there, everybody wants you to leave. You're the Get last up. hole. Go to a bar. <laughs> you're the last hole. Okay. Well, that's kind of like a, a semi-rant. So we'll have something. Well, this even, is, even more to this, why, why, why 30 minutes? And 30 minutes is like before close. Right around that time, in the kitchen anyway, we are getting ready to shut everything down. That means like right around Taking that 30-minute mark, cleaning up. Most, most people aren't coming in. And so we start to change out containers. 
clean, scrub things, mop the floors, uh, clean fryers, clean grills. We it, it's a long process to to closing down. Now, do you want to know any of that? Do you care about any of that? Probably not. Um, but as somebody that works in the industry, 30 minutes, like if we go in somewhere, I'm not going to be the last hole. Yeah. That interrupts you all of that. Take the mats out. Wash now, the mats down. Take I, the garbage out. I can hear, if there's a restaurant owner listening right now, and, and I can hear, I can hear it in my head. I can hear it happening right now. Uh, somebody saying, we stop seating at 10 o'clock. Yes. We don't close at 10 o'clock. We stop seating at 10 o'clock. I miss you. (laughs) (laughs) I can hear that (laughs) in my head. And technically, he's right. What's stopping you from sitting? What's stopping you from coming in and eating? What's stopping you from giving this restaurant your hard-earned money and contributing to... And it's... Okay. Contributing to salaries and payments and all these things and paying the bills. Nothing. Nothing. But... It's still somewhat should, an inconvenience. I should, I should redirect when you roll in five to close. My annoyance with the fact that if you do come in like fifteen minutes before we, you know, before a place closes, and you're well aware and you're like, "I'm sorry, I'm starving. I know what I want right away." It's like you don't have to be it, and because it's this is why restaurant uh, employees bitch all the time because it's like, you know, like their consideration isn't. You know, nobody takes their job or whatever into consideration when you're coming in to eat. You're coming in to eat. I get that. I get that. That's exactly how it is. You know, like we are to serve you and service you while we're open. But I don't know. Like, I feel like if you had a little more um, empathy towards a situation, like, you know what? We're really hungry. I love the steak here. We'll order quickly. Yeah. But if you're like, yeah just get appetizers and then just let us know when the last time we can put an order right. in because we're going to wait until that moment and oftentimes and then we're talk we, about our personal you know, lives and we relationships work around for the next two too. hours right yeah so you know often we'll work around even in the kitchen we'll work around that you get a random order in and we're, we're still cleaning while that is cooking and we're still breaking down while we're doing working on your plate. Yeah, we don't hate you so, if you walk in 20 minutes to close. We hate you when you walk in two minutes to close uh, and you order 15 minutes after uh, we yeah. stop seating you're and a piece of you're shit. the only person in the restaurant. So, and I mean that sincerely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. You know, it's touchy. It's touchy. But if you have ever worked in the service industry, you should know. And think about it in your, let's say you work some sort of an office job and somebody comes in five minutes to close and their problem or whatever it is they're dealing, maybe insurance. I don't know what the hell it is. Same thing with retail. Mm -hmm. Somebody comes in and they're like, we're closing. It's like, okay, just one minute. And someone has to try on 500 pairs of shoes and leaves a giant mess all over the floor. Your last Whatever. Yes. Whatever it is in whatever place, if you're like, if we, we all have, we all know that person. Mm -hmm. We all know that customer i guess Mm -hmm. if you would um it doesn't just pertain to the restaurant industry but in this case it does and so our last whole segment that we just went on a giant rant about um don't be that don't be the last hole our last hole will be different next segment yep (laughs) 
<laughs> the next, next last time. hole will be very different. Yeah, and we won't talk about last holes anymore. Just getting that out there. It'll just be the name of the segment. Yeah. That's right. Well, so, I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. Um, it was our first episode. Right. So we'll it's have, a little rough. Be a little kind is. on that episode. And we um, will probably be discussing in our social media what the next episode would be before yeah. we air it. We're going to about to go visit uh, a few breweries, local breweries around town. We'll talk yeah. about those. We'll and talk some about cool shit we're doing. And some cool shit that we're doing. We're probably talking about right now. dogs. We may talk about dogs. Talk about cooking stuff and have some yeah. cool recipes. Uh, we're hoping to throw up, not literally throw up, but put up a um, <laughs> a recipe every week. Yeah. We'll talk about um, something cool that we're either doing or have done. And um, it'll be something uh, seasonal and, and cool, so hopefully easy. Uh, and we'll throw it up on the interwebs for everybody as well afterwards. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Thank you. Thanks for putting up with us. And the next one's going to be so much better, and it's just going to get better and better and better. And welcome and to um, welcome to Stabbing Hams and Biscuits and... Brothers. Yeah. Bye. Bye.